Go ahead and take your Bibles, and if you would open them to 2 Peter chapter 1. I started a message this morning entitled, A Sure Word, and we made it through point number one. We will begin point number two tonight. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, this is a, you know, sort of a... It wasn't meant to be a long study in this first chapter of the second letter that Peter wrote. Uh, I intended to just begin us this year by reminding us from this chapter of the importance of our being diligent in in our Christian walk. Uh, to try not to take for granted the gospel and the grace of God in our lives, but to um, add to our faith and be diligent to add to our faith. As Peter said in chapter 5, have y'all gotten that so far from this? Good. I've preached on it for eight weeks and two people have gotten it so far. Great communicator. Um. I hope you're getting that. I hope that we are, we are getting that as we walk with the Lord, seek to walk with Him daily. And um, so we've continued this study uh, through here because I didn't find a good stopping place yet. And uh, I, I told you this morning I do intend to, in coming weeks, begin a a study in, on the spiritual gifts, probably. Four to six weeks. I don't want that to be something real extended and real long. Uh, but I do want us to spend some time looking at God's Word as a church on that so that we can, so that we can be equipped. You know, the, the job uh, of a, a pastor uh, of, in a church is to equip the church for the work of ministry. Okay? So that's, uh, that's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 4. These gifts of evangelism, of um, apostle, uh, of pastor-teacher, they're, giving for the, they're given to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So as, you know, as we look at 2 Peter 1, we would hope that from t- being, this being taught to us, that we'll be equipped more for the ministry because we are being faithful ourselves to walk with the Lord. And the more we are being diligent to add to our faith and the more confident we are in the election, in our calling and election, then the more confident we can go forth in God's grace in our lives to minister in His name. And then when it comes to the spiritual gifts, as we... We'll take time to look at that, God willing, then uh, we will be equipped there as well to be more able to minister the gift which God has given to us in the local church for his glory and for his name. Um, does that make sense? So the, the role of the pastor, one of the primary roles of the pastor in the church is to equip the saints for the work of not the ministry, but the work of ministry. 
because that's what we do. That's who we are. We are serving the Lord. Now, having said that, there are sign-up sheets in the hallway right here for ministry teams. Okay? And we want everybody who's a member of New Life Baptist Church to be ministering with another group of people on specific tasks in this congregation. And then outside of that, it may be to the local community or evangelistic efforts or whatever it may be. But we want the gifts that God has given us here to be used. And ministry teams are a good way for that to happen, for you to utilize your your gift. And we'll be talking about that more. You can turn to, I know I said 2 Peter, but look back at 1 Peter chapter 4. You can actually see this here in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. He tells us, you know, this right here. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the multifaceted, the multicolored grace of God as he has poured out that grace in the church. We are good stewards of that grace that we've been given by ministering it to one another. Not keeping it to ourselves, but by ministering it to one another. Like the parable of the talents uh, teaches us that we've been given something by the Lord and we're not to hide it, we're not to keep it to ourselves, but we are to use it to bring about greater talents, to bring about more fruit, from that which God has given to us, which Christ has given to us. Does that make sense? All right, so back in 2 Peter 1, uh, we see here in verse 19 that he says, and, we, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. And that's the first phrase that we looked at this morning, and we're just going to look briefly tonight at the second part of this. Verse 19, which you do well to heed... As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for the time we've had to worship you through song. Lord, you're worthy of every bit of our worship. Um, Your worth, God, is that is why we worship. It's because of who you are. And because of what you've done, what you have done through your son. So, Father, we we must acknowledge that. And Father, continue to proclaim that gospel that you have used to save lost sinners, which is the only means for that salvation. So, Father, now as we look into this passage tonight in verse 19, I pray, Lord, that your word would just be be wondrous to us and that we would behold wondrous things from it this night. I thank you for everybody here. Bless us now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we've looked at uh, point number one. Point number one was certainty, how we trust the Bible. And I told you that ultimately, the way that we trust the Bible is because Christ came. Like Brother Aaron said, Jesus' life fit the handprint that the the Old Testament presents. So we trust the Scripture. The apostles, when they wrote, they were writing about the life of Christ, and they wrote 
um, to the churches to instruct them how to live for Christ. You know, as you think about the Great Commission, does anybody remember where the Great Commission is found? Where is it? Somebody bold enough to say it out loud so everybody can hear? Yep, Matthew 28, good. Now, the, uh, Jesus told the disciples there in the, in the Great Commission that they were to go and they were to make what? They were to make disciples of who? All nations, all right? So after they made disciples, and a disciple is a learner of Christ, a follower of Christ, all right, you know, when Jesus called Peter, James, John, those disciples, he said to them, what? Follow me. He told Matthew, follow me. So it's saying, come, be my disciple. All right. So they're to make disciples of all nations. And then what are they to do after they make disciples of all nations? They are to what? Yep, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on from there and he tells them there's a second part of it because we like that first part, but the second part is probably the most challenging part because the second part says that we are to what? Teach. Teach. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I. Who's the I? Who is the I of first person pronoun for? Christ. So teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I, Jesus, have commanded you. And then he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the even to the end of the age. Has the end of the age come yet? Okay. So how are the apostles? How is Jesus going to be with the apostles all the way to the end of the age? What did y'all say? The Spirit? The Spirit, yeah. But Jesus said He'll be with them. And that He says to them, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The apostles are not here anymore, are they? But their written word is. And their word is continuing to go out through the church to all nations. So Jesus is fulfilling the promise to the disciples through the church as they have written down the inspired scripture that makes up the New Testament that we continue to look at And we continue to proclaim. We proclaim the gospel to the lost. And then we open up this book and we teach them that which is found in it. So Jesus, in a very real sense, is with the apostles even to the end of the age. Because he is with their written word, which has been recorded in scripture, uh, even to the end of the age. We've been emphasizing that. I don't know if you've noticed it in our memory verses. Anybody notice that? An emphasis on the word. We send out a uh, memory verse every Sunday at 12 o'clock. And uh, today's actually changes a little bit because this changes now to looking at the oneness of God. The first seven weeks we have looked at really all the verses have emphasized the word. 
I'll remind you of them. I'm not going to give you a quiz. And I'm also not going to be try to really show off up here and quote all of them in front of you. I have them written right here on my paper. I know you all know them, though. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Matthew 5.18 For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. I need to tell you all, a jot or tittle are the smallest markings in the Hebrew alphabet. So it's like an apostrophe in the English language. And he's saying there that not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law until all is fulfilled. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then last week's verse is Psalm 33, verses 4 through 5. For the word of the Lord is right. All His work is done in Truth, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now, in verse 19, as Peter writes, he says to them, after saying that the prophetic word was confirmed, he says to them, which you Do well to heed. That brings us to our second point. That is this. Careful attention. What we're going to be looking at in this is how we treat the Bible. The first thing we see is how we trust the Bible. The second thing we see is how we treat the Bible. And what Peter is telling his readers. He's telling them not only they but us. That we are to heed it. That we are to take, give careful attention to the word of God. To the prophetic scriptures that are found. Peter had an understanding that his words meant something. He uh, understood that the apostles' words meant something. When he was writing this stuff, he didn't think that it was just writing a letter and that it didn't make any difference. He knew that his words meant something. We've already seen that because he told them, if you'll glance back at verse 15, he said, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Remember, that's what Moses and Elijah were talking about to Jesus on the mount, his decease, his departure. 
And now Peter is looking at his departure. He knows that he is about to die, probably at the hands of Nero. Church history told us crucified upside down. He knew his time was near and he wanted to always give them a reminder. If you look back in your Bibles to John chapter 17, it is no wonder that he had some understanding about this. Now, we'll see an emphasis here in this chapter on the word that uh, Jesus gave to the disciples. Let's see here. Where should we pick up? Um, Verse 6. Y'all got it? Everybody got it? If you got it, say amen. Amen. John 17, verse 6. He says, I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Now, Somebody besides Brother David, what is this called, this chapter? What is this called? Jesus is what? Yeah, Jesus' priestly prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Remember, brain mark that now, okay? So everybody knows, John 17. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of, this, out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Okay, that was the first place here where we see Jesus emphasizing the word of God and the disciples keeping it. Verse 7. Now, they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. That's a critical statement right there in verse 8 that Jesus makes about the disciples. And that is a statement that you must believe as well if you will be saved. You must believe that God, that Jesus came forth from God and that God sent him. Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them verse 11 now I am no longer in the world but these are in the world and I come to you holy father keep them through your name keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are one. Now, are you noticing how often he's mentioning here God giving the disciples to Jesus? That is a critical theological point. The disciples did not just up and decide to follow Jesus. The reason they followed Jesus is because God, from eternity past, had elected them to salvation through Christ, and he gave them to Jesus to be his followers. It's found often here. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Why? That the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13. 
But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So the disciples were otherworldly. Jesus was otherworldly. We are otherworldly. Verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It's almost like he's saying there for them to fit the world which they are truly citizens of. Your word needs to change them and sanctify them. So he prays that for them there in verse 17. Sanctify, set them apart, make them holy through your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Okay, now the next verses maybe tell us what this sanctification is, what it looks like. Verse 20. Verse 20, Jesus continues and he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their what? Word. Who's he praying for right here? All, all of us and all of the church throughout the ages. Jesus is praying for them right here. And for every person who will be converted and before Christ returns, Jesus is praying for them right here. Again, in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's there? The disciples word who wrote all of the New Testament or at least had some influence on all of the books of the New Testament, the apostles, the disciples of Christ, the original 11, and then Paul, who was chosen afterwards. Verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see, that unity of the church is something critical to the world knowing that God sent Jesus. <clears throat> then he continues in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, 
that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. The high priestly prayer of Jesus emphasizes the word of God, the impact of that word in the disciples' lives, and then the impact of that word in all of our lives. All who will come to faith in Christ. And now he says to them back in 2 Peter 1.19 about the scriptures. Old Testament, that which is being written at that time, you do well to heed it, to pay careful attention to it. There's a, a song actually in our hymn book. It's, I think it's entitled Holy Bible Book Divine, or maybe it's just Holy Bible. I don't know. But there's a summary of that. It's written by John Burton, I believe, is the author. But I guess it's written in a little poem form. And it says, Holy Bible Book Divine, Precious treasure, thou art mine. Mine to tell me whence I came. Mine to tell me what I am. Mine to tell of joys to come and the rebel sinner's doom. O thou holy book divine, precious treasure, thou art mine. And that's what he's telling them there. Take heed. Pay careful attention to it. Don't neglect it because the message that is found in the scriptures, well, points us to Jesus. And the only way that they will be saved, the way any person will be saved is through Christ, through his death burial, and resurrection. And we remember that according to our gospel, Christ was raised again on the third day. And He lives forevermore. Now, when we look at this further, we're going to see next week, when we get to get, get back together on Sunday morning, that this word that we are to give heed to is critical because it does this. As we see in verse 19, This word is like a light that shines in a dark place. And as the verse continues, he says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We're going to look at what he means by that. But I can tell you that he he is telling us that the word is not something that is to be held to for a while and then let loose of. But it must be held to the truth of Christ. Throughout our lives. So we will look at that next week. We'll look at um, the why we should take heed to the scriptures. And how long we should take heed to the scriptures which we have been given. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, it's really amazing that. 
this book that has been tried to be destroyed throughout the ages, it, it, it lasts, it survives. And we, we don't look at that, Lord, and say, well, the church has really done a good job preserving the Word. We know, Lord, that though that's important, God, ultimately the reason Your Word is preserved is because it is settled forever in heaven. It cannot be destroyed. Uh, so, Father, I, I thank You for Your Word that we are to trust and, Father, that we are to treat with careful attention. So as we, as we go out, Lord, and, and handle the Word throughout this week, maybe, Father, this week we will have a little more care, a little more attention for this book, the book of all books, and that we will work, care, work hard to heed it, to pay careful attention to it. So help us, God. We cannot do a single thing apart from your grace. We can do not do a single thing apart from Jesus. So in Jesus, as we abide in him, bless us and let us bear fruit and prove to be your disciples. I ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.